Hi, and welcome. This is Lee Siegfried, host of A Life Well Lived with Dogs podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we keep it real. We talk about dogs, living with dogs, life with dogs, dog training, and the full spectrum of the journey from puppyhood and beyond. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get to it. Hola. Hey, welcome. This is Lee Siegfried with Life Well Lived with Dogs podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about behavioral challenges, behavioral training, and some starting points for people. Because in some way, similarly, the way that a new puppy owner can get overwhelmed or the way that a potential new adopter of a dog can get overwhelmed, particularly if you see a behavioral issue like straight away, I want to just help you guys understand the trajectory of where you are and where this may be headed and like shed some light on that experience. So as the owner of a behavior and training company, I have seen literally thousands of dogs over the last 20 years. So I'm pulling from many, many, many case studies up here in the mainframe (laughs) and also want to help you guys understand what this journey can be like for you. Not here to project, just here to help you guys like get grounded, get a sense of where where the ship is headed. Okay. So if you suddenly are finding that you have potentially like a new issue or a big issue, the first thing I would say is like, get check in with yourself and are you regulated or are you not regulated? And what I mean is I think before you can fully move into altering, changing, wanting to see change in a behavior between you know, you and your dog or a relationship between you and your dog or just your dogs in relationship to the environment, you have to really look at taking it back a layer and not, let's make, let's like not make it about the dog. Okay. Not making it about the dog. Really what that is, is like, how is my mental headspace? Like, how am I doing? And if you're like, this is a huge source of anxiety. I'm finding that I'm spiraling. There's no one I can talk to about this. I tried to talk to their rescue or I tried to talk to the, or I'm looking at this stuff online. <laughs> Boop, babe, shut the computer, get off the gram. I want you to seek out practices that ground you. And that's going to look different for all of you. For some of you, it's walking, hiking, sports, yoga, sleeping, <laughs> laying off the caffeine a hot minute, you know, Do the things that you know, bring yourself back to yourself. And only you know what those things are, okay? A. B. Let's get into where you can begin your training process. Okay, we're going to make it about the dog and you now. (laughs) P.S. Have you noticed how it's like never just about the dog? I know, it's tricky. Okay, where it gets into being uh, the starting point for many of you for behavioral change, it's not to jump into training. What it is about is it's about implementing really solid management strategies to prevent your dog from rehearsing the behaviors that have you shitting yourself. And I know that sometimes you can't always prevent those or predict those, but what I'm going to say is you need to locate yourself in, all right, Here's a thing that I'm identifying as it makes me feel really uncomfortable or it makes me feel really concerned or it's just straight up a safety thing and like my dog can't be doing that. My dog can't be trying to eat the Yorkie on the way out of the apartment building or my dog can't get outside and then see a person and start to like fling their body at them or my dog can't chase the bus, you know, when we're walking across Broad Street, whatever it is, 
you need to immediately look for ways to make that practicing that behavior less achievable and less likely to be happening. Okay. So inside your home, that could look like use of pieces of equipment that could be like the leash is on the dog is created when like the repair person's at my house, or I'm not letting my dog greet strangers that walk into my house, considering he just tried to like take a chunk out of my uncle's arm last week. Like whatever it is, you do not want to tempt fate and be like, well, maybe, maybe that was just a one-off. If a dog has a pretty extreme response to something, your job as the parent handler, whatever you want to call yourself, owner, whatever is to make it less likely that the dog's going to get better at that. Okay? And prevention is a step towards changing behavior. Otherwise, what's happening is your dog is spending and dedicating more time to building the neural pathway of the the shit behavior. You don't want that. I mean, if you want to make everything harder, go for it. (laughs) I don't suggest it. Okay. So... Avoidance and removal are not long-term strategies, comma, and they are a starting point. So I also don't want you feeling like, you know, I don't want you feeling awful about being like, well, I'm not really like facing the dog, helping the dog face their fear or working around the trigger. Yeah, you're not. But this is where people do the carpet for the horse thing where they like, they jump in and they're like, my dogs are active. I need to work them around dogs. And it's like, yeah, you do. But you need like foundational behaviors and a game plan before that is like a good idea. And if you don't have that, I mean, you're going to get a lot of very predictable, not great behavior where your dog is just sensitizing to all the stuff you don't want them to be sensitized to. Sensitized means like they just get more amped with less trigger. Most of the time what we're going for and changing behavior or behavior modification or BMOD as is known in the industry you're going for desensitization, which means the dog has a more neutral to less inflated response to the trigger. Feel me? Okay. So don't attempt to train around triggers without a game plan. Don't do it. Again, unless you want some interesting stories and a spike of adrenaline. But I mean, if you want that, just go jump out of a plane every once in a while, you know, or ride a bike. Same deal. No collateral damage. Okay. Where I'm going to say you're also going to want to take your training is you're going to want to begin to build your communication system. Much of the time where we feel not connected to the dog, not great about what's going on training-wise, is what is going on is we actually, we're not relevant. We're not relevant to the dog in the moments where we actually would like to create that or establish that and or the dog is so edgy about the circumstance, the environment, the what have you, that they're just not looking to us for any amount of information in the decision-making process. And that's usually what people feel uncomfortable about. Like the dog is actually not consulting with you. The dog's not like, well, I see a dog approaching. What do I do about that? They're like, I'm lining up. I'm staring. I'm like, you know, those cartoons where it's like, they're imagining the, like the bird on the thing, like turns into like a roast. And then they're like, they're tying to their little thing and get like that. All right. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but if you do, you do point gotten. Okay. So you need to begin to build a communication system to create relevance. Relevance is just like, I have a way in to help you. And it has got to be a layered system or what I like to call a tiered system. And you might be like, what? A tiered system says you start here and when that doesn't work, you go here. And when that doesn't work, you go here. And when that doesn't work, you go here. And to do things to help the dog recover, you go here, 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 here. What a tiered system does is it gives you a starting point 
and then a way to meet your dog's arousal where it's at so that you can be helpful in guiding movement or providing information. How we don't train is to go, well, you try that. And then you have to keep trying. You have to do more repetitions of that with better things. And then you'll be fine. Like, I just don't subscribe to the, well, if it's not working, let's just keep trying that and like shift some things. I mean, I subscribe to like, hey, if stuff isn't working, let's reassess. But it's also like much of the time when clients come to us with behavioral issues, we are looking at what is your foundational communication system and do you have multiple ways to to, to have a conversation with this dog, right? Do you have ways to help this dog regulate? Because by the way, you guys are probably sort of like vibing on a whole thing, which is also to take it back to the top, why your own regulation really, really matters. If any of you have or have experienced raising little people, it matters. Big time it matters. They vibe off of you. If your frustration is high, you'll get some really interesting behavior from, from a little person. And it's like, I've got to also help them model from me, even dogs, like, I can't be like shitting myself. Even if I'm kind of shitting myself, I have to be like, I'm not shitting myself. We're good. More about that some other time. (laughs) But my point is you have to begin to have a communication system. And if you're like, I don't know if I have a communication system. Generally, we're talking about words that are meaningful, like really meaningful, movement that's meaningful, equipment on your dog that helps also guide movement when your movement doesn't cue them. We're talking about tactile information coming at the dog from equipment, from you. We're talking about spatial information. We're talking about like an ecosystem of communication, not just like, here's how you do it. And if it doesn't work, try harder. Sorry, some of you have had that experience or maybe currently have that experience. So apologies in advance where our industry may be failing you. Okay, last but not least, in terms of your communication system and going back to this idea of tiering or having a tiered system... You are going to need to understand how your movement is part of a cue system with your dog. You are going to need to understand and be educated about a range of equipment and how it could be relevant or helpful to your dog. This is also a piece where people don't generally get educated. I'm really passionate about this because I feel like so many more dogs could be helped if we engaged in honest, transparent dialogue about how things could be helpful to handlers. And I'm going to say, you know, if you come to this conversation with a problematic dog and you've been chipping away at it and you're feeling like you're stuck, that is, I don't want to normalize that, but I'm going to say I see a lot of that. Or if you really are married to a belief system and a methodology, and that is sort of filtering everything that you do with your dog, I hate to break it to you, babes, but you may want to consider briefly breaking up and like going to Miami for a weekend and like figuring out. I mean, feel free to go to Miami whenever you want, really. But what I mean is you may need to become aware of where perhaps what you're being taught has been completely filtered by a belief system that may not actually help you and your dog. I'm going to say that again. You may need to consider where your belief system is filtering everything that you know to be available to you as a dog owner and what may help your dog. And in doing so, it sometimes leaves a lot of things off the table. And I'm talking both ways. Okay. If you want to train a particular way and like subscribe to one particular way of doing it, you are generally playing in about a quarter of the sandbox of how animals learn. 
Consequently, and you can take this to either end of the spectrum, you can take this to the very rainbows and unicorns and glitter farts end of the spectrum, and you can take this to the like hardcore end of the spectrum. I don't find either one of those to be particularly helpful for people, but I find that the best thing I can recommend is to really surrender to the process and be open and available to having your mind blown or for things that you maybe never would consider for your own dog based on dogs you've had in the past to actually potentially be very pivotal in providing the breakthroughs or access to the breakthroughs. And that's just me being real with you guys. Like sometimes we limit our own success. Sometimes also, honestly, people might not have a real commitment to helping the dog. And I know that that sounds super kooky, but you really need to look back to the regulation piece. Are you regulated? Great. Create practices for yourself to bring yourself back if and when you're not and know what that feels like for you. So you can be like, oh, that's happening again. Let me take a beat, right? And outside of that, I think it's really having a conversation with yourself of like, what's my real commitment here? Is my commitment to stay stuck and frustrated? Am I getting something out of this quote behavior problem? And if you're like, no, (laughs) I'm pretty stressed in this, like I'm concerned. I'm not saying that there's a right way to be, but what I'm saying is before you move into any training program, you really need to be honest. Like, are you willing? Are you coachable? Sometimes people are getting something out of the behavior issue. Generally, those people are not going to take coaching advice and are going to make an argument for why they want to do their things their way. And that is cool. But doing things their way has probably created the amount of results that they have or don't have. That doesn't give a trainer much room, right? So I'm also going to say, like, really be kind to yourself in this process. It can be embarrassing. It can stretch you. I'm going to say, like, you're not necessarily going to be finding and I, but I would say like find these communities, like, you know, we've got an amazing community of, of owner handlers and it's like finding communities where it's a safe space to, to like air it out. And it's a safe space to also be seen. That's not necessarily going to come from friends and family. It's not as an entrepreneur. I can tell you, unless you have people that are also entrepreneurs, they can give you like the head nod across the room. And, but a lot of people don't know. Right. Similarly, like people don't know what it's like till they know what it's like. And everyone's just doing their best. Right. So like there's you doing the best with the information that you have up until this point. And then there's me being like, go you. (laughs) And then there's also me being like, and what else is there that we could look at to really maybe make a pivotal shift? And yeah, it's a process. I would seek opportunities for support along your way. Don't expect things to be linear. There's going to be good and bad days, but, or, and if your training is working, you're seeing a decrease in undesired behavior and an increase in other things. And if you're like, my training is working. Sometimes we don't even think of it that way. We're just like, I don't, this behavior isn't hundred percent eliminated. So this is not working. Like, look, the barbecue chips, if they're in my house, the don't eat the barbecue chips behavior has not been eliminated. I just don't keep the chips in the house. But when they're in the house, I'm like, kettle chips, I see you over there. (laughs) It takes a lot of freaking impulse control, honestly. But okay, back to not talking about barbecue chips, guys, because, you know, what I'm going to say is that there's going to be, there's going to be ups and downs. It's going to take time. And like, 
we're here to back you, back yourself within our community, in our programs, what have you. So if we can be of help, if you quite frankly think you need a reassessment of what's going on, reach out. You can reach out to us at opbarks.com, send us a message to our contact form. What we can do is basically help figure out what your starting point is for some of you. For those of you that are not local to us in the Philadelphia area, that may just be an online virtual consult to get to kind of get the rat's nest like figured out. Okay. Like we're always happy to engage in conversations. We want to help owners win. Sometimes you're just not aware where there's deficits and where there's gaps. And sometimes just even getting that information can create implementable things that like hugely move your momentum forward, which is what we're really committed to. And consequently, I'm also going to say, if you come to us and you have a dog that really is potentially dangerous or a communal safety risk, and those are rare, those are rare, but I'm not going to bullshit you either. I'm going to fully help you understand with transparency based on the dog's behavioral history and where things may head. So yeah, loves, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I hope this gives you a starting point around working with a behaviorally challenging dog. And you know, like this could, this could apply to reactivity. This could apply to anxiety. This could apply to aggression in any way, shape or form, guardian resources, et cetera. What I'll probably do is a deep dive on all of those topics because I do think they're, they're, <laughs> they're special in and of themselves. Really appreciate you tuning in and listening. If you're enjoying this podcast or you have things that you would like me to discuss, I would always be happy to. Thank you for being here, loves. Signing off, this is Lee Siegfried with the Life Well Live a Dogs podcast. <laughs>